overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on his people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. How are you doing, Laura? I'm good. How are you? Well, um, I'm better than we I am when we recorded last week. Are you better than when we record in the mornings? I'm certainly better than when we record in the mornings. And then last week was like my 16-hour marathon day. That's true. So That's that, true. Because you worked all day, then you taught a class, and then we had a podcast. Yes, but luckily that was with like close friends, so that wasn't too difficult. Yeah. But today we have another guest. Very excited. Very excited. And thankful. Yes, my new friend, Sam Fisher. And Sam, you and I met I, about a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. At um, the baby dedication. Yes. And when I was talking to you, you shared a bit of your story that made me go, I know who you are. Because Laura had mentioned you because you were one of the people that gave us some ideas for the podcast last summer. Mm-hmm. And you immediately, like that day or the next day, um, called or texted me and said, do you think she would come on? Because I would really love to have her on the podcast. And I said, I have no idea. Because <laughs> I don't know you very well. And I said, so you got to ask her. But I did know that you have been through something really difficult, which we'll get to. Um, and that you do seem really open with that story and what God's done there. So I figured it would be a yes. Um, but before we get to that, I would love to know a little bit about you and um, just kind of your your salvation story experience. That was a weird way to word Where that, you but you know up, what I mean. Yeah. How'd you end up in Dallas? How'd you get to know Jesus? <laughs> so my whole life story. Sure. Yeah. Just um, in a paragraph major. form. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have my paper. I yes, you do. <laughs> I love, I love the people that have papers. I probably won't look at it, but I, I would have never it. have a paper, but it's good that you do. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I am a Texan by birth and, um, Grew up most of my life in Texas. Hmm. Um, moved around a little bit when I was younger, but uh, for most of my life lived outside of San Antonio. Um, and I would say I knew who God was growing up, but um, did not have a personal relationship hmm. with Jesus. Um, and, you know, like most teenagers made some questionable decisions, um, and dated a lot, which Mm -hmm. I'm like dating in high school is just stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. this is one thing I will tell my daughters over and over. You do not need to date in high school. Um, and I think about the time I was 16 or 17, um, I had some friends just kind of start, um, inviting me to like youth group stuff, which I never, so I'll back up just a second. My, so my dad became a Christian when I was like in fourth grade. Um, and so that was kind of my first experience, um, seeing God move in somebody's life. I would say he had kind of a transformative, um, experience once he was saved and, Um, so we like kind of went to church a little bit after that. And then, um, we made a cross country move and then stopped Mm. going to church. Um, and so that was once my friends started inviting me, that was kind of my first experience with like a Christian community. Um, and to make a long story short, I feel like the Lord just really got a hold of my heart. And, um, I think through community, which is, I found so many times in my life, like that is how God speaks to me mm-hmm. through community. Um, 
And yeah, so I just decided to follow Jesus when I was around 16 or 17 and um, got baptized and then decided to go full force in my Christianity and go to Baylor University. (laughs) Um, And Because where else could you go? I know. Oklahoma State University. That is not where you should go. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, that's not an endorsement for Oklahoma State. No, it's a great school. I just made bad choices there. Well, you're probably not the only one to make probably bad choices. Not. Can, can you make and bad maybe choices? even a few kids at Baylor? Yeah, I was going to ask. Can I you mean, make bad choices maybe. at Baylor? Maybe a few. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You could at Louisiana Tech University. Uh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I met my husband, um, Brian, when I was a junior, and we got married after shortly after college and I say shortly, it was like a month after college. Oh wow. Yeah, we were babies. Y'all did the Texas Baylor yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> ring by spring. Um I know it's crazy because I remember when we got married, I was twenty two. Oh wow. And I thought, I am like I'm an adult. Like it's yeah. not and now looking back, even yeah, at pictures you're a baby. I'm a baby. Yeah. Like we were babies when we got married. Um, but we got married and we moved to Seattle for about seven years and that was a total that seems similar to Waco it was very similar yes (laughs) really similar I mean that is a culture shock yes it was a little bit of a culture shock um I mean it was a shock in like every way of life I mean we just got married we moved across the country where we didn't know anybody and I didn't have a job, so I was like home by myself all day. And you were just saying how important community yeah, has been. Yeah, I was to super you. lonely. Yeah, super super lonely. Um, which has like kind of been a theme that has played out in multiple mm. times of my life. Um, I think it's one way that God really reaches out to me is through my loneliness. Mm. A lot of times, I wish He would reach out to me when I'm doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't we all? I know. I guess he does. It's just I don't notice. Yeah. I don't notice as much. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, so y'all yeah. were there for seven years. I think, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. It was, it might have been six, like six and okay. a half years. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're not going to fact check this. Yeah. No, we won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, we loved living in Seattle, but it was, I would say that was a really hard time for mm-hmm. me. Um, just, and there's not... I think the Christian overall, like Christian, Christian culture that we have in mm-hmm. Texas or Dallas is just mm-hmm. not there. It's, it's just, not as easy to find yeah, a church. Like when not- you find Christians, you're like, oh, you are, you like love Jesus. You are following. You're rock solid. Yeah. This, this ain't just where you show up yeah. on Sunday. Uh-huh. We're not in the Bible belt, uh-huh. you know? Um, so it was, I mean, it was really, it was hard to find community. It took us a long time to get plugged into a church and... Um, I think we grew a lot, you know, the leave and cleave thing. Like mm-hmm. we were each other's only friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And uh, so how'd y'all end up at DBC? Um, so we moved back to be near family and we actually lived like in the neighborhood across the street. And so we were like, we should try it. And we just loved it. Now, didn't you tell me, so Sam and I recently had coffee after, after we met, we, we yeah. recently had coffee. Now, didn't you tell me you moved here to be close to family and then your family moved? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We moved across the country to be near my parents. And then my dad had a job situation and they had to move to Houston, like less than a year after we moved here, which oh. was sad. But at, I mean, but yeah. at least you're still a, like a car trip away. Yes, five yes. hours in the car is yes, way better than yes, four a hours big plane ride. on a plane with yeah. multiple small still children. though that is no fun. And so, yeah. did you guys ha- did you ha- have kids when you moved from Seattle? We had our oldest daughter okay. Emery was born in Seattle, and okay. she was about I think she was about eighteen months when we moved back. And, and then since we've been here, we have had. Another daughter, Lucy, who's four, and um, a daughter named Abigail, who I will talk about more, but she's in heaven. And then I have a four-month-old named Jack. Four-month-old. We we stole you away from a very little it's baby. It's okay. I'm, why don't, I'm why happy don't to have a little, a little bit of a break. Why don't you tell us about Abigail? What, yeah. that's, that, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so after... Um, after we had my second daughter, Lucy, um, we decided 
so I had gotten pregnant super easily with Lucy, um, our second. And so about the same timing, like two years later, we thought we would, I'm like, oh, I'll get pregnant again with another. Um, and that is not how it worked. And it took us quite a while to get pregnant again. Um, and that was kind of like the first of many whys in our story with her. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, they wouldn't say it was a long time. It took us about nine months to get pregnant with her. And that was a lot of questioning, you know, like, why is this taking so long? But then we finally found out we were pregnant and we were so excited, so thankful. Um, And so then we went in for our 20-week ultrasound. And um, the sonographer was like, you have no amniotic fluid like Mm. did your water break what's going on and um that's a whole other thing like it was a terrible terrible experience in that in that room at that time she was very insensitive Mm. and um but basically what's going on like were you not being were you not paying attention like did your water break what's going on um and I was like I don't I don't know I don't think so and she basically just said something Something's terribly wrong with your baby. Oh, um, but like, didn't tell us what it was. And so, um, anyways, the, our OB ended up telling us that, um, our daughter had not developed, she thought her, our daughter had not developed her kidneys, um, which is, it's called bilateral renal agenesis, is, um, the technical term for it or Potter syndrome. Um, and because of that, Basically, your kidneys make all the amniotic fluid, and um, so she was not able to do that. And in turn, that our doctor said her lungs would not develop, um, and so she just said, "This is this is a, a fatal condition. Um, mm. Your daughter's not going to live when she's born." Oh, um, goodness. And so, as you can imagine, that was. And you thought at that point when you're, you're 20 weeks along, you're halfway through. Yeah. You were just going in for a standard. Yeah. We were like, so just ex- measure her head. Yeah. yeah. Tell me how long her legs are. We were oh. excited to, um, we were actually like wanting to be surprised by the gender. And uh, honestly, looking back, I felt a lot of fear during my pregnancy and I don't, you know, it's like one of those things. I don't really know why I felt that way, but. Um, and I remember thinking going into that, um, ultrasound, like if I can just make it through this ultrasound, mm-hmm. I think I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously that didn't, didn't happen. Um, I know you, that you, you carried her to term. Mm-hmm. Was that decision difficult for you at all? How, yeah. how did that? Um, so they basically told us. Um, you know, she's not going to survive. So basically you are still in the legal uh, Mm. limits of if you want to have an abortion, you can have an abortion, um, or we can deliver her early, um, which obviously she would pass away Mm -hmm. if we did that. Um, and my OB had kind of said she is probably going to be stillborn. Like you're probably just going to lose her. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think at that time we were very overwhelmed, um, very scared. I just, you know, I, it was really hard to wrap my mind around it. Um, well, can I, I want to pause you just for a second there and, and kind of talk about that space that you were in. Mm -hmm. Um, not just that day, but that time, what that was, what, what was going on within you within your marriage with Brian. Yeah. Um, you mean just during the time, like right after. I mean, I can imagine you were in a tailspin of of emotions in the days and weeks that surrounded that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a little bit of a blur. Um, I think I am like one of those people that I like to do research. So I'm like, you know, on the internet, like what, Mm. what can we do? What can we do? Um, I think, in those initial moments, it was, I'm not sure I initially like went to God right away. It was like, what mm-hmm. can I do? How can mm. it, can we find somebody that can fix this? Like, um, 
Where's my power? Yeah. Where's my, where's my control in this? Um, and and you found that you had a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was, that was sarcasm. That was very short lived. Um, I think pretty soon after that, um, just to answer your question, we, we decided that, you know, like whether or not she was going to live one more day or the rest of my pregnancy, um, that we were going to let God make that choice for us. Um, and we were not going to be the ones to choose the number of her days. Mm. Um, Can you tell us about when she was born? Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, the days leading up to that, uh, there was just so many things that we had to think about. Um, you know, like how, what kind of labor, what kind of Mm. delivery are we going to have? It was just like so many details, um, to think about. And Mm. I was just so overwhelmed. Um, and I remember just sitting, I mean, there were so many nights of sitting, crying, Mm -hmm. um, just crying out to the Lord. Just, I just wanted him to take the decisions from Mm -hmm. us because I'm like, if I make a wrong decision, like, does that mean I'm going to have, you know, like, is she not going to be born alive if I make this decision to have a C-section or if I want to have a, you know, a regular vaginal delivery, is she going to, is there going to be a consequence to that? Um, so I ju- we prayed a lot just that God would take all those decisions from us. Um, and so thankfully he did. Um, and she came on her own. Um, we always say like she was our little fighter because she just, she like did things on her own terms. Um, mm-hmm. so she came on her own at 34 weeks. Um, and we had about an hour with her before she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the hardest day of my life. Um, actually that was not the next day was the hardest day of my life, but it was also like one of the absolute best days mm-hmm. of my life. Um, I think we just felt so much peace just getting to be with her. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that solidified that that was the right decision. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think, I always, I, I have a tendency to go back and think like, what if I had done this? What mm-hmm. if I had done this? What if we had made this different decision? But I'm not a therapist. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a psych PA. So Laura might be able to tell for sure. But I think that kind of thinking is usually very helpful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's, it's been very helpful <laughs> for me, especially it's, it's, all it's, the it's, guilt and shame. Yeah. All the guilt and shame yeah. is good. Laura. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So but just, just I, to confirm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I know that like all those things, they're not helpful because ultimately it never would have yeah. been enough time. Like, That's right. I, I, I mean, I have a six year old and if she passed away, like I would still feel the same way. What mm-hmm. if it would have never been enough time? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got to spend, um, 36 wonderful hours with mm. her in the hospital, um, before we had to go. And, um, I think the day she was born was like, it was okay. I, I mean, I, I had never seen anybody pass away before, but it was peaceful and we were thankful just to be with her. And, um, but the next day when we had to say goodbye was the day that like all the anger came out. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting because during her pregnancy, I, I believed like I, we prayed, I mean, we prayed hard that the Lord would heal her. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I knew what, I knew what would have to happen, but we, we believed that God had a plan for her and a purpose for her. And, um, you know, if the Lord wanted to heal her, he would. Mm-hmm. And we asked him for that. Um, and I, I think during her pregnancy, like I didn't, I was sad and I grieved which anticipatory grief is like a whole other beast. Like, yeah. I was just thinking that you had two different, I mean, and actually more than two, obviously, but two different phases of really yes. heavy, but very different yeah. grief. Yeah. The anticipatory grief before it happened was, yeah, it's like waiting for something that, you know, terrible is going to happen mm-hmm. and you're grieving something that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, 
bizarre it's and confusing. hard. Yeah. 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 Confusing. And not a lot of people yeah. have walked through that. Yeah. And so again, there's like not a community of people yeah. readily available yeah. to go and say, how do I navigate this? This thing that hasn't happened yet, but I'm profoundly sad about. Right. Yeah. It was very hard. Um, but I, I think during her pregnancy, it was more sadness. Um, but then, and I would say like, even questioning like why, why God did this happen? I wasn't, I wasn't angry. It was like, you know, a kid asking their parents, like, mm-hmm. why, why, why? But I never felt angry. And then after she passed away and we had to say goodbye to her, I was like, that's when I felt very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think becoming a Christian, like a little bit later in my life, like I had kind of always felt just really close to Jesus. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I grew up all the time. Like I grew up since I, I knew God you since then, I was you knew a baby. the difference with no Jesus and right, with Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and so yeah, I just, I hadn't really ever gone through a doubting phase in my faith. Um, I just believed like I had childlike faith and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, after we had to say goodbye, was when I just felt really angry. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if something's going to put your faith through the ringer, yeah, the loss of a child. Yeah. We'll I mean, that. I, I mean, this is very vulnerable, but I remember like holding her in the hospital crying and just telling God I hated him. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that your relationship with God during that time and how how did how did he meet you there what yeah does that make sense yeah yeah like how did that change and soften and yeah I mean it's been a journey so um my daughter was born in January of last year so I'm Mm. January 2020 yes so it's been what six 18 months Ish. Yeah, 17 months, I think, mm. um, or 15 months. Um, so it's, you know, I've had some time to heal. and um, But I think the first few months were just really dark. Um, yeah, I was angry. Like, I didn't want to, sp- I didn't want to spend time with God. Mm. Um, and I got really annoyed when people, you know, it well-meaning people would send me Bible verses or like things that I knew were the truth, but I did not, I didn't want to hear them. Mm-hmm. Laura, like, Laura and I are both reading through the old Testament mm-hmm. or, or the Bible this year. And, um, we're reading Job right now. Mm-hmm. I just finished Job. Actually. Job's friends, man. Yeah. That's, they said some yeah. true, they said some true things. They said them at the wrong time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you were navigating, again, something really new. Like you mm-hmm. said, from 16, 17, you had had this really reliable, consistent faith, even moving to you know the Northwest, where mm-hmm. Christian community wasn't readily available at every street corner. Um, you kind of main, you'd maintained it through that. And yeah. I'm sure other hard times, I mean, this isn't the only hard thing you've ever faced, mm-hmm. um, but the level of hard. Well, I and, mean, she was the first person in my family to ever die. Mm-hmm. Like, not, I mean, obviously, I had great grandparents die, but even mm-hmm. all, like, all of my grandparents were alive. Mm. So you've lost somebody for the first time, and then you're kind of in a, I don't, I, I don't know if you would call it this, but a faith crisis mm-hmm. of, am I allowed to be mad at God? Am yeah. I, how do I navigate? Being well, mad at him, how do I navigate that I feel like I hate him, and how do I navigate my theology and thinking that he did this? In right. your first, in your first major loss, mm-hmm. is when the natural order of things is reversed. Right. So I can't, like grief is hard enough mm-hmm. when it's your ninety-four-year-old grandma. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be your kid. It's not supposed to be your infant child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what? So uh, I, we interrupted you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You were talking. We do that about, well. We do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Derailing. I haven't had an edit alert this season. Uh, you haven't. I, I don't. I don't know if I'm like just contained. I don't know if it's the recording at 10 a.m. Hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe. But, <laughs> uh, but you, we were asking you about your like. Just how, how you, God met you yeah, there, like, yeah, and and how it, how it evolved from anger to whatever you would describe is going on now. Yeah, and God. Um. So, I, I will say I really struggled. A lot of my anger came from, you know, reading Bible verses about God knitting us together in our mother's womb. I'm like, hmm. how, what am I supposed to think about that? Like, you. You didn't like you literally left part of her. Mm. You forgot is what it felt like mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it like a lot of that kind of stuff was really hard. Um, even just reading truth in the Bible and trying to apply it to even. So I, there was a verse um, that I felt like the Lord just kind of spoke to me over and over during my pregnancy. And it was the verse of surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And even after even having him speak that to me, her entire pregnancy after she was gone, it's like, that's a lie. Mm. Like how this doesn't feel good or merciful. Mm. Um, and I mean, I will say, I think some of it was just time. I think I had time. I think I had some really sweet friends encourage me that it was okay to be mad. Um, that I wasn't, I didn't need to try to hide my anger towards God. Um, so, I mean, I was mad. Like, I... Legit angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. le- legit angry. Um, but I had a couple months after she died, I had just kind of this moment where I was standing in the kitchen and, um, I remember just crying, like, where are you? Like, God, where are you? Like, I know, I know you're here, but I don't feel you. Mm -hmm. And I know, I just, I remember just asking him over and over, where are you? Um, And I felt like he gave me this super clear picture in my head of, um, I was like standing in front of a really tall wall and it's like, I, I remember just feeling like in that picture, like I was looking like, where are you? All I see is this friggin' wall right Mm -hmm. in front of me. And, um, the wall just started to fall down and like, as the wall got to a certain height, I just like saw Jesus's face behind the wall. And he was like, I've like, I've been here the entire time. Like this wall was just like, this wall was just made of your anger and Mm. your sadness and all the ways that you've doubted me. And, and it was okay that the wall was there, but he was like, I never left, like, I've been right behind this wall the whole time. That is reminding me of the uh, passage in Hebrews. It's either in Hebrews 12 or 13, but um, where the author of Hebrews talks about that, like, shake it down till only you remain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to oversimplify my grief journey, but I think that 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 moment of having that picture from the Lord, like was a real turning point Mm -hmm. for me. Um, You you mentioned um, earlier about like how, like you feel like loneliness has been a theme for you. Yeah. Um, I assume that was a time also. Oh yeah. Um, What was, what, what was so lonely about that time? So I will say that, um, Grief just makes you feel incredibly isolated, mm-hmm. um, despite any support that you have, despite having friends check in on you and family that love you and care. And it's just, especially I felt like our situation, it was like, I just felt like nobody understood how I felt. And I remember 
and this is again, just part of my journey with the Lord, but I, I think I was just seeking like somebody to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Like if I can just, and it's like, I didn't really want anybody to make me feel better because Mm -hmm. that made me mad too. But it was like, I was reach, I just like, I just want a friend to make me feel better when like nobody could have done that. Um, but yeah, it just, for whatever reason, it's just incredibly isolating. Did you ever feel, um, you know, I, I had, I had kind of like a tragedy, um, about, I don't know, about six years ago that happened in my extended family. And I, I felt like initially people, um, were like right there to, to hear the story, except that like the grieving process for me really took, I mean, three months was, was like, I would say like, I am barely functioning. Mm -hmm. I I was a total mess. I don't know. I can't, it was such a blur. I don't know how I did anything for my children, did anything for my husband or showed up for work, but apparently I did. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get fired and my children are, are still, are, you know, they, they survived it. But like, I have almost no recollection of that except for my anguish during that time. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a solid six months till I felt like I'm, I'm using air quotes, normal person. Um, but I think that part of what was hard for me was like, and maybe part of this is like, like my Enneagram, like seven, like I want to be happy and I want to present like I, I think people like me because I'm happy and fun. And when I'm not being happy and fun, I don't feel like people like me. And so that's this like, um, weird negative feedback cycle where like, where I always have to be, okay. I always have to be mm-hmm. okay. And so that's not really other people's fault. That's something I'm kind of putting on myself. But anyway, I just, I remember feeling like initially, like everybody was here and hearing this story of what happened to me and then um and then I I and again I don't know that they were saying this or projecting this or if this was my own internalization but I just kind of felt like they just want me to be better and I'm not better so I can't really talk about this because and I can't really I I felt even when I was present I felt unpresent because I felt like what the only thing that mattered to me was what had happened. Mm-hmm. Everything else seemed irrelevant and dumb. And and I also felt like even Kyle, which I like you guys were going through that together, mm-hmm. but I felt like even Kyle, which it's not like Kyle ever was like, please don't talk about this anymore. Can you just get better? He never, ever said words like that. But there was this something in me that felt like nobody wants to hear this. They've mm-hmm. already heard it. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know. I think that's true. I think also a lot of times people don't know what else they think. What else can I say? Mm -hmm. And, and if you're somebody that's on the other side of somebody grieving or anguishing, um, I think you can just keep showing up and doing the same thing, honestly, like not the same thing if you're doing something like really unhelpful, but the same thing of just, you know, asking you how you're doing asking if you want to talk about it, you know, like sharing something about your feelings, you know, about your daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a lot of times it's not people just wanting you to be okay. And sometimes maybe it is, but I think a lot of times it's a reflection of, they're like, I'm out of, I'm out of moves. I don't really know what else to do. And I don't feel like doing the same thing over and over again is helpful but sometimes it is. Well, and I, I always talk about, I don't, I don't know if you've heard me tell this story on the podcast, but I've talked about it before when we've kind of talked about grief, but, um, my best friend from college, Laura, and my other Laura (laughs) friend, uh, when I, I was engaged my senior year in college and we broke off our engagement in April and it was, you know, just like, you know, I'm about to graduate. I don't know what I'm doing. We have wedding plans. We have invitations we have you know everything's done and I like that like you know and it's the excitement of of graduating and then this happens and it's just you know I'm shell-shocked and um I remember very vividly I don't remember a lot about that season but I remember very vividly sitting in my apartment 
on the edge of the bathtub and Laura sitting on the edge of the bathtub and she said nary a word. She just put her hand on my knee and we just sat there and I cried and she said nothing. Mm -hmm. And it was the best gift anyone could have given me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that that didn't always occur to me whenever I have been with grieving people that your willingness to just sit with them in their grief mm -hmm. was so powerful mm -hmm. because it didn't make it better, but it felt shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you said you felt pretty isolated, mm -hmm. which I think is a natural. Also, COVID hit. I was going to say oh, like, January 2020 was so a really my daughter inconvenient was born time. January 31st, oh we gosh. had her celebration of life, March 1st, and then oh like six literally the next week, oh my gosh. everything shut down. And then you're like, literally isolated. Yes. Yeah, it was really hard. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I, we had, we had friends reaching out and our community group really tried to love us the best they could during that time and. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was hard. Yeah. So how, do, so tell me, um, you know, I, I don't want you to overshare about your marriage if you don't want to, but how was it between the two of you walking through that together? Yeah. Um, so I, f I felt like we were pretty united, um, especially in my pregnancy, in our grief. Um, I think we both were kind of on the same wavelength, which was really helpful. Mm. Um, and I think we did a good job at like opposite waves. Like I would have a bad day and he would be able to be strong for me and mm -hmm. vice versa. Um, I think we, I would say our relationship has, we it's weathered the storm really well. Mm. Um, I think we are much closer because of this. But, you know, I, I think just both of you grieving the same loss is hard because it's not like one person can be strong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were days when I'm like in a puddle, please, like, just make me, you know, like be strong for me today. Make mm -hmm. me feel better. And he's like, I can't mm -hmm. like I'm in the puddle. Mm -hmm. We are both in the puddle today. Um, but I mean, I'm. Just shout out to my husband. I'm mm -hmm. so thankful for him. And mm. he's he's been amazing during this whole thing. And, you know, I think as time has gone on, like, we have grieved at different paces. You know, like, there's been times when I've I felt like maybe a little, I've had a little bit more healing in certain areas than he has and mm -hmm. vice versa. So. It's so unique. Yeah, it's. And so you, you, you said. Like you kind of had that moment where Jesus was like, I've been here the whole time while you've been laying brick sister. Yeah. And like, I'm still here. I still will be here. Did you kind of identify that as a turning point for you or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that, that allow that moment allowed me to start letting him in again. Um, before that it was like, I don't want to pray. I don't mm -hmm. have anything to, nice to say to you. That's you really messed of, up my yeah, life. If yeah. I don't have something nice yeah. to say, I won't say yeah. anything I mean, that's kind of yeah. how I I'm felt. a native Texan. Yeah. That's drilled in. Like, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm just going to question everything that I'm reading because I'm reading it through this lens of mm -hmm. you have failed me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that moment was a moment where it was like, okay, I can try to trust you again. I can try... I can try. Mm -hmm. um, and so after that, I felt like I was able to just try to read my Bible, try to pray. Mm -hmm. You know, it took, it took me a while. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like now I am in a really strong place in my faith. And I true, it's hard because I would never wish to go through this. Mm -hmm. Like if someone said you could take all this progress that you've made in your faith 
away, if you could have your daughter back, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just being really sure. vulnerable, <laughs> but and honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I think at this point, like I know Jesus and trust him more than I ever have in my life, which I think I'm thankful for. Mm. It's I, I struggle even saying I'm thankful for that sometimes because why do you trust him more? I think I just know now that well, I think I think my perspective has shifted. So I think that's one big thing that I have gotten out of all of this is that my perspective like my focus is now eternity. Mm-hmm. It's not okay, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That doesn't mean I'm never, nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. Well, this is shocking news. I know, (laughs) I know. We are all going to, like when we were talking the other day and you said no one rides the train for free, right? Mm -hmm. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to die. Like (laughs) something bad is going to happen to all of us. So Mm -hmm. I think just before, at least for me, before I went through something terrible it was like you just kind of read the bible as theoretical yeah or or just like god's gonna protect me Mm -hmm. god is like like protect me from bodily harm protect me from emotional harm and that's not that's not what he's promising Mm -hmm. but i so i think i think this experience has helped me shift my gaze towards eternity in that like when he's saying that he's saying I am not I, like I've got you regardless mm-hmm. of how much you're being beaten up and destroyed here like I've got you and it's not you saying when you're thankful for that right I heard you earlier say like that feels hard to say because you wouldn't want you're never going to be thankful mm-hmm. that you lost your daughter yeah but seeing what God can do and the beauty he can make out of those horrible ashes yeah, and how your faith went through a storm mm-hmm. and came out better and stronger um, and more committed, you can be thankful for that. Yeah. Like that he is faithful and he is good and he will use something really terrible yeah. um, for his glory. You were, you were talking earlier, like way earlier about like how community has been such an important part in your faith walk. And, um, it reminded me, I think I've mentioned this before too. I only have like five stories. So if you like know me well or listen to this podcast, you'll hear them over and over. Um, but I, there was, it, it was this, it was, it was the Christmas season following the terrible tragedy that befell me. Um, and that I was, I was doing some Advent, you know, book or whatever. And, uh, luck that for like a devotional an Advent devotional. And, um, one of the things that I remember it talking about was how like it, like, like the importance of community and not just like in like it models like the Godhead and not just that it's like, um, you know, encouragement and, and whatnot, but, um, but it was talking about how, um, how we have communal faith. Mm-hmm. And so when my faith is weak, I lean on the faith of the community to support me and, and vice versa. And there was something about that that was very, very beautiful to me at that time of, of just kind of feeling like I, that, that, that I, I didn't have to do that by myself, that mm-hmm. like, that, like, that other people's faith was somehow supporting me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's okay to need, to need somebody people. else. How did you reach out to your community during that time or allow people to, or what was helpful yeah, when yeah, somebody reached out to you? Yeah. Um, so I will, <laughs> I will give my community group girls a lot of credit. Um, I mean, I, so I'm a nine. I don't like conflict. I don't like to tell people my feelings are hurt Mm -hmm. or like that I need things typically. Um, but I was like very upfront with them about what I needed. Um, 
to the point probably some of them were like, okay, this is, <laughs> she's getting a little intense with this. Um, but I think, I think for me, the biggest thing was just reaching out consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, my, one of my dearest friends, I just asked her, I said, can you just ask me how I'm doing like every mm-hmm. other day? And she mm-hmm. still does mm-hmm. like every other day she texts me and it's like, I don't, you know, I don't even talk about my grief most days anymore, but it still just means so much to me that she like remembered that that meant so much to mm-hmm. me. Um, I love that you said most days anymore mm-hmm. because that's real. Like that's, yeah. that's, um, I think Laura said this before about this, like the timeline of grief. It's mm-hmm. like most days anymore, yeah. you know, in most days anymore, you're kind of not fine in the freaked out, insecure, mm-hmm. uh, neurotic, neurotic and emotional, mm-hmm. but like just okay. Like you're doing okay. Yeah. But that some days you're still not. Because oh, yeah. grief will always ebb and flow. Yeah. I mean, I had a day this week where I was just crying for like mm-hmm. two hours. Mm-hmm. Was it today? It was not today. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thankfully. Well, and I think that it's, that's, it's so hard to ask someone who's grieving to advocate for what they need, mm-hmm. but it is so important because many people have not walked through intense grief. Yeah. And probably most people, or actually everyone has not walked through your, mm-hmm. the general your, not just you, unique grief. And the way you're responding to it. So, so no one can know exactly what your unique needs are. Yeah. And so to say specifically, can you ask me, whether it's a phone call or a text or an email, how I'm doing every other day, just so I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Someone's thinking about me. And um, so you gave him something, her something tangible. Yeah. To do. Yeah. And, and she's still doing it after it a year. Yeah. yeah. It, like it, it helped. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else that sticks out as was helpful or not so helpful? Um, as far as your grieving just process. dealing with your grieving process. Um, sorry, I'm not sure I understand the question. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm asking more for like people that are meeting someone in grief. Oh, yeah. Um. I think, I mean, I think for me, just checking in often was Mm -hmm. really helpful. I think, and not even always just asking how I was doing, but just saying, thinking about you. Or Mm -hmm. for me, it was like someone telling me, I'm thinking about Abby, Mm -hmm. like saying her name. That means, even now, it means so much Mm to me. And, and even, you know, when, when friends would say, you know, I don't really know what to say, but Mm -hmm. like, I'm praying for you today. Mm -hmm. Like I always, I, I appreciate like, I don't, because truthfully nothing you say is going to make me feel better. Like, and I, I think I told, I've told multiple friends that like, you just take that, that burden right off your shoulders because Mm -hmm. nothing you say to me is going to help. Like not, not help, but nothing you say. It's not going to make the grief go away. Yeah. It's not going to make me feel better. Um, so just let go of that. That's right. That's not not going to make the grief go away, but it can certainly make me feel cared for. Right. It can make me, um, know that I matter to you, that, Mm -hmm. that, that my grief is seen. Mm -hmm. Um, that Abby mattered to yeah. other people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't make the grief better, but I'll certainly take it. Yeah. Well, and I think we've talked about this before when we were talking about grief, but I think that so often people feel like they're going to inadvertently remind you of Abby right. and that's going to mm-hmm. wreck you as if you aren't thinking about her all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That That is so true. Like, you're not going to remind me I'm sad about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sad. I already know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And honestly, like just saying her name, especially just for our situation when, you know, like most people never got to meet her. And so Mm -hmm. like saying her name, like makes her feel alive to Mm -hmm. like, she's alive in my life. You know, she was real. Yeah. Yeah. That her life mattered. Yeah. 
I th- I've probably shared this too before because again, I only have like the five <laughs> stories, um, and some of them aren't mine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my, one of my professors in seminary, Dr. Pine, um, he had a son with Down syndrome and, um, I remember him talking about, um, talk, his son's name was Stephen, Um, and I remember him talking about him and, uh, and he, uh, he was talking about, and this, I, I'm, I'm saying this in the context of like Abby's life mattered. Mm-hmm. Abby's life was important. Abby's life was one hour long, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that there was, um, like there was some inherent beauty in her life, um, because she bore the image of God mm-hmm. and, um, he, he talked about Stephen and he was talking about, he, he was, it, it was like the lecture was about, um, like, what does it mean to be an image bearer? And so sometimes people like talk about like these tangible ways that we reflect the image of God. And, um, and one of the things that he, he was talking about is that we want to be careful about the way that we describe what the image of God, how humans bear the image of God, because we don't want to exclude humans mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of that because we, because they all reflect his image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if our criteria is that, you know, we, we think on a higher level than the animals or we, you know, can do these miraculous things or we can create or, you know, like, it, like if that's how we describe the way, that is how we reflect the image of God, then we're excluding some people outside of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's, you know, he said, he, he said, you know, with Stephen, he like, because he had some limitations as his father, he was so often proud of him because he could read and because he could mm-hmm. speak and because like the, the, the things that he overcame and he said, um, but, it, but, um, but the same was true of little boys that never spoke or never mm-hmm. read or never, you know, and, and so I think there's something, um, I love that you, you love to talk about her. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that reflects the image of God. Like mm-hmm. yeah. her life did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I will talk about her with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and, and yeah, it, it, when you said that she was a little fighter and that God, you know, God's used that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I think you being a nine, um, have some fight in you that, you know, you're here, you're telling the story, her story, your story. Um, and that's valuable. And, and even if somebody can't completely relate to losing a child, um, they can relate to the depths of grief, grief, um, and, and how hard that can be to, to trust God in that space. And, um, and to kind of know that you're going to live life with that ebb and flow of sometimes it feels bigger and you cry for a couple of hours and, um, sometimes, some days it, 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 it doesn't, not that there's any day that I'm sure you don't think about her. Um, well, the, 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 a couple of other questions I had, one, I wanted to ask like how your, your daughters are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, just a little bit about, you know, you've had a new addition yeah. in your family since Abby. Yeah. Um, so my oldest daughter, Emery, um, was five at the time that we lost Abby. And it was really hard for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, you know, so excited about having a new sister. And so she she had a really hard time with mm-hmm. it. I um, do want to just briefly interrupt you. Yes. Um, because this is a, this is kind of, I wouldn't even call this an edit alert, but I just want to know, I just want to like give you a slow clap for, um, I'm not going to call it what I called earlier, but I noticed that you're keeping your, that you're moving your eyes and not your (laughs) your face. I'm trying really hard as we ask questions. I can't say what I No, do not make that joke. Okay. (laughs) Continue. You were talking about Emery and how that was hard for her. See, it's derailing and I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was really hard. I think 
Honestly, I think COVID was actually really good for our family in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, I felt like we just had space to grieve together. Um, And I mean, you know, five, six year old grieves really differently than I do. Um, But she's, she's so sweet. She, she just hates seeing us sad. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's always kind of been like, mommy, I just like want you to feel better Mm -hmm. or which is hard, you know, mm-hmm. like Cause you'd like to feel better too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just like, you I, and you want to give her. that yeah. to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And I hate that she has had to go through this horrific thing at six years old. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we talk about Abby every day in our house and, um, she's very much a part of our family and we have, obviously we have pictures of her all mm-hmm. over our house and, um, my Lucy, our four year old, she's not quite as, you know, I don't think she remembers quite as much, mm-hmm. but, um, we still like, we have, like I said, we have lots of pictures and you're making sure it doesn't yeah, become she, like this taboo thing. Yeah. That no, not, not sure if it's they not at about. all. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, I think there are times when, especially the four year old will say things like that just feel like, Ooh. Like she mm-hmm. just knifed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. she doesn't know. No, they mm-hmm. don't. They're just sometimes their, their questions are like, what, what's, why do you have that mole on your face? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's well, just like, or, it's yeah. a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be, you know, something like, oh, Abby's always part of our family. She's like, mom, Abby's dead. And it's like, <sighs> okay, yes, that is true. Let's be a little more gentle to mom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing great. And um, yes, I just had Jack four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he having another, I could, that's, this could be a whole nother podcast, mm-hmm. but having another baby after a loss, mm-hmm. losing your child, I don't call it a loss. I didn't lose a pregnant. I lost my child. Mm-hmm. Um, she died. I think it's, I mean, that's but the like, pregnancy was traumatic and scary too, yeah, uh, and confusing. Oh my, I mean, and so going through another pregnancy, yes, it was I like I can't imagine. I was a and so a soon. total basket case. Yes, because yeah. how many months? So I, don't I was do only math. Yeah, yeah. I got pregnant like it. So it took us a long time to get pregnant with her. So we were like, well, it's probably going to take us a long time. We got pregnant like four months after mm-hmm. I had Abby. So. It was a lot. Yes. <laughs> Physically, emotionally. Say, yeah. Yes. Hard on your body, too. It was a lot. Um, and praise the Lord, he was super healthy, came. I got him out, like, as early as possible as my doctor would let me. Mm. Um, and he's, I mean, he's a delight to our mm. family. But it's it's really interesting because I think a lot of people think like having another baby would like fill this void or like, you know, I, I like even just being pregnant again, like, Oh, this should make you so happy. Like once he's here, you'll, everything will kind of be okay. Um, and obviously that's not, yeah. Just what you just said. It's another, yeah, it's, it's it, not meant to overshadow right. that one. Or so, I mean, replace I, it. I think that was hard initially when I was pregnant with him. Like, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to replace her mm. or, which I don't think anyone really thought that, but it was my own insecurity. Of, and, and do you think it's also like, there's this weird thing that happens within us of like experiencing joy while I'm still grieving. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, like it, almost like sometimes there's like guilt mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I'm, it's all the emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, so we, we worked with an organization when I was pregnant that supports families, um, going through life limiting diagnosis called Able Speaks. And, um, one of the things that they always say is like joy and sorrow are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's so true. Like I, I, even the other night, like I was just missing her so much, like just crying, but I was holding him like just, it was just this weird mix of like, so thankful and so happy that he was here, but like so sad that I was Mm -hmm. missing it with her. And yeah, it's like, they just, it's not one or the other. They just coexist Mm -hmm. somehow. And, um, 
And, I, and it doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't. So right. that's good. Yeah. It does <laughs> make zero I, sense. And I mean, I think if we're all honest, you know, and again, like Laura said, you have a unique experience that mm. like a lot of people have not walked through that exact experience. But I think, but like we said, nobody rides for free. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you hear enough about enough people, you realize that everybody's had their key, their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. And, um, if, if, they haven't, it's coming, but probably they have, and you just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we all can kind of relate to that kind of surreal place of like, where you have this deep sorrow mm-hmm. and then peaks of joy where, where mm-hmm. God is starts like letting sunshine kind of break into that darkness. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to make your sorrow any less sad or hard and it doesn't have to make your joy like laced with guilt or wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I think I've met a lot of moms who have lost babies mm. through this experience, which has been really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I've developed like some amazing friendships, but that's like a common worry is like, people are going to think mm-hmm. like that this somehow replaces the pain mm-hmm. or that, yeah, like the guilt or mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's just, it's interesting talking to so many people that have mm-hmm. been through just for me, similar experiences and like, oh, these, these emotions are very universal for yeah. grieving people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a question that we may edit out okay. if this is a disaster <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you're looking at me like, why did you say this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so just, you know, we, I'm, I've prepped that. Okay. <laughs> um, do you, do you see any way that God is using this sorrow in you? Um, yes, I definitely do. Um, I mean, I think for one, I think I've kind of always had this desire. I mean, I'm very, I think I'm a pretty intentional person just with friendships and whatnot, but I've always had this desire to kind of, just like love on people, help people. Um, and I think God has really used my sorrow. Well, for one, I've, I've met a lot of, like I said, I've met a lot of moms that have been through similar experiences and made a lot of sweet friends. And I feel like the Lord's really allowed me to use that broken place in my heart to like minister to other moms. Um, not that, you know, I somehow have it all to all figured out and, mm-hmm. but just to let them know, like they're not alone. And here's a, a spoiler alert. I'm pretty sure that he mostly uses people that don't have it all figured yes. out. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's true. That I don't, does true. that seem true? Mm, to, does, feels that, true. does that feel yeah. true mm-hmm. to you, Laura? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think for me, it just, they, they feel like friendships, but you know, I think I've been able, I don't know. I've just developed There's some, a salve that they give to other people. To yeah. Those I, I think, I think just going through such a horrific thing, knowing you're not alone, having someone that knows how to check in on mm-hmm. you. You know, I've, I had a friend or two that was able to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure, like, in what, more than, right now, it's just loving on other moms. Um, I think that's huge. I yeah, say, I, I mean, I don't. And I think that you've had so many unique elements of your grief, like having Jack and, yeah. and experiencing joy in the midst of that sorrow and, and, and having the, what did you call it? It was such a good name, anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. um, walking through that. So you have different aspects that you can relate to with other people. And, and that is no matter what personality you are, whether you're nine or a seven or whatever, grief is isolating. Mm -hmm. And so anybody who can kind of peek in and go, I see you and this is awful and it's hard. And I, I can relate, Mm -hmm. um, that matters. And, and I think that can be a way that God's using you to help, break somebody else's wall down. 
And um, you said uh, you, you said earlier, Sam, uh, that like God uses has used the, or this this theme of loneliness, where mm-hmm. He kind of meets you in in the loneliness. Um, he has a theme of like um, having like. Well, the the I don't I don't think I can say it on our church podcast. The word I would use just to describe what he what happens at Thanksgivings for me. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, there's a theme of pretty horrific, like traumatic Thanksgivings in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember one 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 traumatic Thanksgiving where I went into the bathroom. So this is like you're saying you're you're talking about you're talking about how like somebody just knowing that there was somebody else that was like experiencing that. I remember being at a bizarro world Thanksgiving table where like, it's just like nothing seems right. And all of the people at the table are pretending like everything's normal. And I had to, I had to go, um, I had to go into the bathroom and like, just look myself in the eyes. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. If you think I'm joking, you don't know me well. Um, I like had to look myself in the eyes and go, I see you. I get you. This is crazy. This <laughs> is crazy. Um, <laughs> that I, That's reminding me of, I'm, I keep quoting Anne Lamont um, and other, um, and other people whose theology is a little bit beyond mine. Uh, but there in one of her books, she talks about, sitting at a family dinner, um, and how the, the people in her family, um, either had drunk too much or needed to drink mm-hmm. and had simultaneously, um, no boundaries and problems with rigidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. It just, and here I am stuck in the middle. <laughs> yes. So anyway, all that to say, I related to that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I do think there is something about like, eye contact even if it's with yourself like of going yes I see what you're going I see what you're going through Mm -hmm. um well thank you so much for coming on tonight I I know that um I know I know that you love talking about Abby um but I still think that I know that that's probably maybe harder to do in a in a in a setting like this Mm -hmm. I think it's really brave and important that You've shared that, and I know that you and Brian have have been pretty open, um, and I, I I just think that blesses people. So yes, thank you. Yeah, and I and I just um, you know obviously don't wish like heartache on on anyone, but um, like we have said multiple times, and again, sorry if this is news to you. Um, you know, tragedy befalls us all, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that when um, people like you share stories of their sorrow um it makes you more approachable for people that are in pain mm-hmm. um and that they're that there's somebody that understands what they're going through mm-hmm. and um and just thanks for just thanks for making making that available to people that they you know they're not alone mm-hmm. and they and that there's somebody else that has walked through deep sorrow mm-hmm. yeah well thanks for having me and I like you said I always love talking about my daughter even though it's hard sometimes yeah. but thanks for giving me the space to do it well I think you honored her life thank you uh, thank you so much for joining us on embarrassment of riches we'll talk to you soon bye